Welcome to the Hollywood Gothic Halloween 2018 podcast. Today is October 26, and this is the final weekend before Halloween. Our feature is an interview with Melissa Carbone, creator of the Los Angeles Haunted Hayride. First, however, we have a few reviews and recommendations for Fright fans deciding what to do with the final days of Halloween. First off, theme parks. The Halloween haunt at Knott's Berry Farm in Buena Park is the best attraction in this category this year. It has two new mazes that rank among the best work they've ever done, The Depths and Dark Entities. Not Scary Farm continues this weekend and Halloween night. Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios Hollywood is a disappointment this year. However, the Universal Monsters Maze makes it worth visiting. This walkthrough recreates the monsters that Universal Studios made famous in movies from the 1930s and 40s with updated makeup for the new millennium. Great stuff. Looking at uh, smaller Halloween attractions, mazes and rides and so forth, All Saints Lunatic Asylum is an excellent haunted house worth the long drive to Apple Valley. It continues through October 31. Boney Island, the former yard haunt, is now a professional attraction, and it is bigger and better than before. It's open through Halloween night in Griffith Park, next to the Los Angeles Live Steamers Ghost Train, which is also worth a visit. Horror World is a multi-haunt attraction in the Puente Hills Mall, featuring three mazes, a VR experience, and vendors. This attraction includes Into the Black, which is creepy in a way that few mazes ever achieve. We loved uh, Into the Black when it was a single maze last year at the Pomona Fairgrounds. Happy to see it back in this new venue. Horror World is open through October 31. A little bit farther away, Reign of Terror Haunted House is an incredible 20-minute walkthrough in Thousand Oaks. Featuring multiple environments, such as a Victorian mansion, an asylum, etc., it's a bit like half a dozen haunts all rolled into one. Reign of Terror is open this weekend, and October 30 and 31. If you're looking for something that will not impact your wallet too much, there are many free home haunts in the Los Angeles area. Rotten Apple 907 and the Backwoods Maze in Burbank offer scary walk-through haunted house experiences that are on par with professional attractions. We also expect great things from Beware the Dark Realm in Santa Clarita and Murder House Productions in Thousand Oaks. Although we've not visited either one of these this year, from past experience, we feel safe making this recommendation. More and more during Halloween, we're seeing virtual reality experiences competing with physical haunts. We have a couple you might want to check out. There is the Jack the Ripper Haunted House, which asks you to solve the mystery of the world's most famous serial killer. We guessed the answer. Can you? The free-roaming VR experience has you exploring multiple floors of an old wax museum as you search for clues. The attraction runs at Mount Asia Family Fun Center in Santa Clarita through October 31. Even more elaborate is Nicodemus, Demon of Evanishment, which puts you on a trail of a demon that disrupted World's Fair a century ago. Like other VR attractions from The Void, this is a company that specializes in this sort of entertainment, this one features actual physical interaction with props and sets. Along with The Void's previous effort, Ghostbusters Dimensions, Nicodemus runs daily at the Glendale Galleria. Let's look at some tours and shows in case you want to do more than just walk through haunted houses, be they real or virtual. Delusion, the Blue Blade, John Braver's renowned immersive theatrical experience, is sold out through December, but it will return next year, giving you something to look forward to. Drama After Dark makes its annual appearance in the Huntington Gardens on Saturday, October 27. 
Based on the works of Poe and Edward Gorey, the production consists of a dozen short plays performed in various locations, mostly by a single actor or actress delivering the text directly to the audience. It may not sound like much, but thanks to the cast, the results are spectacular. Illusions of the Past, Legends of Queen Mary, is a theatrical seance mixing magic and illusion to great dramatic effect. Performed in a small theater, the show is intimate, every audience member will be involved in some way, if they are willing, the results are mysterious and thrilling. The show continues at the Queen Mary through next year, so you have a little time on this one if you want to prioritize other Halloween events during these final few days of October. Knights of the Jack, a Halloween jack-o'-lantern experience, fills the void left by Rise of the Jack-o'-lanterns. Thousands of carved pumpkins create a series of amazing art installations on the grounds of King Gillette Ranch in Calabasas. Knights of the Jack runs through November 4. Senior Plummer's Final Fiesta, the new interactive play from Rogue Artists Ensemble, who were creators of last year's excellent Kai Dan project, has only a small scare element, but it is filled with magic realism as a book-signing party sends the audience into the past where they follow the lives and loves of Eugene Plummer, whose name graces Plummer Park in West Hollywood, where the play is performed. Senior Plummer's final fiesta runs through November 18th. Vampirates offers an entertaining fusillade of fun, including stunts, sword fights, and songs, as blood-drinking pirates take to the high seas. The show runs daily through October 31 at the Pirates Dinner Adventure Theater in Buena Park. Mention the code VGOTHIC18 for a discount. That's V-G-O-T-H-I-Q-U-E. You can find information on these and other Halloween attractions at our website, Hollywood Gothique, which can be found at hollywoodgothique.com. And now, to our main feature. The Los Angeles Haunted Hayride is celebrating its 10th season of Halloween haunting. The attraction was an immediate hit when it made its debut in 2009, partly because of the novelty of a hayride in Los Angeles, but mostly because it was good. Since then, the hayride has grown and improved, becoming ever more elaborate while emphasizing an aesthetic sensibility not seen in other Halloween haunts. It's a bit like a sinister carnival haunted by mimes, dancers, and demented performance artists. The mind behind the Los Angeles Haunted Hayride is Melissa Carbone, who conceived of the attraction while working at Clear Channel Entertainment. The hayride's success allowed Carbone to start her own company, 1031 Productions, which recently sold the Hayride to 13th Floor Entertainment, which owns several large-scale haunts around the country. Hollywood Gothique recently spoke to Carbone about staying competitive in the Los Angeles Halloween market, keeping the attraction fresh from year to year, and resurrecting some of the haunt's greatest hits for Halloween 2018. We started off with the obvious question, did she ever expect the Los Angeles Haunted Hayride to last 10 years? It's insane, but yes, I did think it was going to last 10 years. I actually think it will last longer. A lot of independent haunts in L.A. are disappearing. They're driven out by theme parks. How do you survive? There are a ton of um, Halloween attractions that pop up and disappear every year, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like that when the L.A. Haunted Hayride broke ground. That was was 2009 when we had our first L.A. Haunted Hayride, and at the time, there weren't a bunch. There was not. There was the Queen Mary, and that was about it. There was like this little thing at Pierce College, but that was it. So when the L.A. Haunted Hayride broke ground in L.A., it was a highly, I think, underserved market for Halloween, at least in my opinion, which is why I started the Hayride. Since that happened, in a weird way, I feel like, you know, obviously, L.A. Haunted Hayride, it was on Shark Tank, and I think it looks easy. I think there's an alluring ease of like this get-rich-quick 
thing that people feel when they look at haunted houses and Halloween attractions. So that's why I think there's a lot of dabbling. I think the LA Haunted Hayride had staying power because we were super unique. All of that really was here were amusement parks for the most part from a Halloween standpoint. You're bringing back some greatest hints from previous years. What was the selection process like? How do you, was it like, do the audiences on Facebook tell you, oh, we, we need to see the congregation again? You know, I think, I think it gets, it's pretty obvious to us at the end of a season what people love. Into the 10-year anniversary, it, it made a lot of sense, obviously, to create one giant hayride um, of all finales, kind of, or, 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 you know, fan favorites. So, yeah, I mean, the way we selected was the congregation was we did it for three years in a row because it, well, people loved it so much. So I feel like we like we have our thumb pretty on the pulse, um, you know, during the season of what people are liking. So based on that, you know, and obviously the 35,000 emails a year we get with those two things. Yeah, I think it was pretty easy to select um, and see which scenes people loved. One of the things I found interesting going through it was it didn't seem like I, I think I used the phrase greatest hits a second ago. And that's not really what it is. It's more like medley. It's like you go through and there's the part where the guys sing the barbecue song, but it's like a verse and then it goes into the heavy metal guy. So it was more like a medley. And I thought that was an interesting way to present it. So I was like, oh, and I'm not just seeing the same thing again. I'm seeing some of the best bits, best little snippets kind of strung together in ways that made it feel a little bit new, even though it was familiar. Those are marionettes from mm-hmm. all different seasons. So even though there's three stages and three sets of marionettes, each one is from a different year because the jug band was the first time we did the marionette scene when we wanted to reinvent that with the heavy metal band. That was a, sec- a different year. And then the clown marionettes were last year. So we basically took three years of marionettes and made them one scene. Obviously, when the hayride started, at least in Los Angeles, there was the novelty aspect of it. Other states have hayrides. California, at least Los Angeles, we don't. But since then, you really can't rely just on the novel to keep going. So what are you looking for each year to do something new or to top yourself? So, I mean, each year we create a different narrative. We create different characters. Um, this year, because it's, you know, a collection of our of our fan favorites, a lot of the, the things are not like newly created, but we've tried to put different spins on them. But the biggest thing that we do is creative new aesthetic skill sets. Like you'll remember the year we brought the sway pole troop in to do the dive bombing harpy birds. We found those sway poles because we had been scouring YouTube for different kind of like acrobatic skills. Um, we went on a hunt and it took us a long time. We tracked down the sway pole troop in Australia. Flew them to LA, trained them, had them train an American group of acrobats for six weeks in our warehouse, and then voila, you have we have the first sway pull troop. So every year we really scouring not just movies and and shows, obviously, but now there's a much deeper dive into all kinds of content. So we always try to touch people in different ways and then really keep people in our world. When you get to the hayride, the entire time you're with us until you leave, like we we try to never, you know, take you out of our environment in, in like a cerebral way. You know, pieces are amazing, but in between, like maybe you're walking by like SpongeBob SquarePants or the Simpsons, so you get plucked out of kind of that world. And at the hayride, we try to keep you submerged in our world the entire time so that, you know, people aren't thinking about like the pile of dishes in the sink when they get home. All they're thinking about is like what's coming around this tree that's going to ruin me right now. And you don't feel like you're in L.A. I think it's the one place in L.A. at Halloween where you can go and have a uh, fall feeling. We went there and some we were meeting some people who were on the hayride, so we had to sit around and wait for them. So I spent more time in purgatory than ever before. <laughs> the characters were so eager to come by and help us uh, kill time. 
I, I appreciated that <laughs> more than ever before. I mean, hey, man, that means as a per, as I know you're a person who's gone to like every single year of the hayride. Mm-hmm. So hearing that from you is like really it makes me happy. So, yeah, that in your 10th year, you can experience something new. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't see it talked about that much because we're always focused on, hey, it's a hayride. What I notice, there's a certain artistry to it. The, the performers seem like mimes or dancers. And I was comparing it to the Hall- a Halloween version of Cirque du Soleil. People have called us the Halloween Cirque du Soleil for a while. I love that alignment. And you're exactly right. You know, we have a pretty vast skill set of actors and we cast it that way because obviously, like, you'll notice there's not a lot of verbal action happening with our characters. It's like about movement and the demeanor of them. So we cast a lot of pop and lock dancers or any kind of dancer or, you know, mimes. It shows. <laughs> it, it does. Thank it you. Does yeah, I mean, the aesthetic of there is everything. I'll literally walk through the hayride and I'll see our piece of signage that the material is different will like bend my brain you know and that's like nobody else is ever going to notice that Mm. but like we notice that and you know my team notices that melissa meyer and justin meyer like the three of us have this laser beam focus obviously another way of expanding your attraction overall is not just the hayride but adding stuff so we got the dark maze which became house of shadows Uh, there was like house of horsemen which lasted a season or two friend why did it you know kick in or not kick in House of the Horsemen, it lasted two years, actually. Mm-hmm. The second year, we um, eliminated the Sevens and Sideshow and made House of Horsemen bigger. So we can't we can't just keep adding because we're in a finite amount of space. So it's, you know, doing something for a couple of years and then just switching program and doing something different. Trick or Treat takes the basic idea of Seven Deadly Sins of you're walking from scene to scene and each scene has a character where something goes. So the, the template was sort of laid there in Seven Deadly Sins. And I, I really like that because you're kind of asking the thing to come out at you because you're ringing the door. You're asking yeah. for it. You're complicit. Yeah. You're like, knock, knock. Come yeah. get me. But it's interesting because that one's been around, I think, a few years now. And what's inter- it's the same basic template, but it seems like the the, the facades change from year to year and the one or two characters may come back but i don't remember lizzie borden from before and she's in there this year so it's it's really nice because you kind of know what you're getting but you don't know the specifics of what you're getting so it's it's familiar but different exactly which is you know i think pretty consistent with most of the zones with the exception of purgatory i think most of them you know are familiarly consistent each year Dark Maze, which I guess is now called House of Shadows, is it's not so dark anymore. It's more strobe light. It seems like from year to year, the actors in it become more important. Before, it was more about you're lost in the dark, and now it's about you have these people pretending to help you, and they're not <laughs> helping you at all. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a great. I love. I love that explanation. Yeah. That description. I mean, the the House of Shadows, it's better than it's ever been this year. Um, and that's kind of the feedback we're getting on it. But yeah, we wanted, we wanted to kind of change the color this year, give it a little um, more of a theme than just dark. At the same time, like, it is actually still a nod to the 10-year anniversary because some of the smoldering ember, you know, orphans from past years are in there. And so the House of Shadows, it's a consistent rock star, I think. Um, people just, people love that thing because it, it's ominous, tucked into this little, like, wooded area and surrounded by darkness. I'm wondering about your, your feeling about how popular it is, because I, I imagine that mounting the hayride itself is monumentally more difficult and challenging, and doing a r- relatively dark maze has got to be a bit simpler. Do you ever feel like, God, why am I knocking my brain out making this 20-minute hayride when people walk through this little maze and think that's wonderful? The hayride, that's what makes us special. Nobody had had that here before. We still don't have that here it's this like beautiful, magical, like unicorn thing in this marketplace. That's what makes us special. So the hayride for me is always going to be my firstborn child, I guess. I'm not 
stimulated by things that like already exist in the marketplace. Um, I don't want to roll in somewhere and just put in another haunted house and there's a bunch of haunted houses already or other mazes if there are mazes already. Uh, one thing about the Hayride is 10 years later, it still feels very organic. I don't see uh, digital mapping or holographs or anything. It's like you're not creating ghosts by digital projection technology. And I'm imagining that's got to be a, a deliberate decision on your part about the way you want this thing to look. It is. I, I want to keep the integrity of feeling that you're not in Hollywood or not in Los Angeles, not in a big city. You know, I grew up on hayrides and this is what they felt like. You know, they felt like you're in the woods somewhere. It's like this small town visceral vibe. That's how I wanted to feel. Like Then I feel like once you start bringing in 3D mapping and all kinds of like lighting boards and you start building it to that level, I think you lose that a little bit. The hayrides are pretty unique in LA. I mean, if, if you drive into whatever Riverside or Corona or something, you might find one or two. But even if you do, there's some pretty obvious differences. And the big one is you've got major production values. One year you did hell. Part of the hellscape, at least, is back this year. You know, how big can you go to keep topping yourself every year? I mean, I think the expenses have kind of stabilized. Like, we pretty much know exactly how much we're going to spend on it every year. And we pretty much know exactly how much revenue is going to come in. So I think there, it's just a strategic decision on it expense versus revenue and where we want to be and where we want to be has to align with the quality of the show as well. So I think we just maybe found that sweet spot. You know, a lot of people go to the hayride. We're lucky. People like us and we've become a tradition and people have even like raised their kids on the hayride. So luckily we have a lot of people coming. Any concerns about the impact of virtual reality on the market? Theoretically, someone now could film a hayride or do a computer simulation and people could just sit down somewhere and watch it or even watch it at home. Is is that something that you or other people in the industry are concerned about how that's going to impact the future? I'm certainly not concerned about it. To me, I feel like VR is a non-issue. Issue. The person who wants to strap a device to their head and sit on their couch is not the person who wants to go smell fog and see like the glowing orange lights poking out of the trees. Like I think it's a really different person. There is, I think, a huge opportunity right now for experiences that are incredibly unique and submerging. And that can be VR on your couch, it can be your real eyes and your real body out in a real environment. I don't think the two are cannibalizing each other kind of on a little bit of a tangent. One thing I note about the Hayride, I mean, since you've been around for 10 years now, it reminds me a little bit of something actor Brent Spiner said about being in the Star Trek films, which is that people don't compare them to other movies. Like, is it a good science fiction? It's like, well, was it better than the last one? I kind of think that's the same thing with the Hayride. It's not like you go to L.A. Haunted Hayride and think, well, is it better than Knots or Universal or whatever? It's more like, is it better than what it was last year? So you, you've kind of become your own yardstick and have to live up to your own reputation. And I guess this kind of goes back to what I was saying before about topping yourself. Well, what is the response from year to year? Do, do people generally feel like it's better each year or are they coming back saying, well, it was good, but it wasn't as good as whatever, the Boogeyman? Mm -hmm. um, that's funny. That Boogeyman is the year you pulled out. I actually think Boogeyman was one of our weakest years. That's a, that's a funny observation, by the way. And I feel the same way. I do feel like we're compared against ourselves. If somebody thinks the hayride sucks, they are not afraid to tell us. People will send us emails or they'll write a Yelp review, which if you hear the same piece of feedback more than once, then I think, you know, we start paying attention. Typically, there'll be like a part of something that people don't like. We get a big outpouring of the lines. So we've tried to create like VIP tickets and, you know, different levels of VIP tickets and incentivize people to come on less busy nights. Like if you have an issue with lines, like don't come on a Saturday. Each year there can be challenges. I think there have been a couple years that were not as good as the prior year. But the last couple of years, I think we've been on track beating our best. 
for me personally, the yardstick, I think, was 2014. I think that was the year before The Boogeyman, Echoes from the Rift. That was a good year. Yeah, just because yeah. that, that was so spectacular with Hell and the dragons and Cerberus. And I thought, wow, that was amazing. So that's always my yardstick. Well, is it as good as Echoes from the Rift? I thought this year was, so I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, no, well, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I always I always actually do wait for your opinion um, because they're very honest. So to hear that is great. I'm glad that you like this year. I, I'm, I'm really happy with this year, and it's only going to get better as the season goes on. This year on the website, uh, LA Haunted Hayride is now owned by 13th Floor Entertainment Group. Why did you uh, sell to them? Because, let's be honest, Steve, everybody starts a business, either sell it or go public, right? right? Yes. I guess not everybody, but those are, I think, the two winning moves, go public or sell to somebody bigger. 13.4 was a super exciting opportunity doing something that nobody else is doing. And everybody knows I love that. Like, I love to be aligned with people doing something that, you know, isn't being done by anyone else. They're targeting some of the most premier Halloween attractions across the country, you know, in the world, probably. So who doesn't want to be a part of that? For me, it felt like the right move and it was time to do something like that because, you know, we have several brands now and we're in several markets. And I felt like working with a group like 13th Floor, I could go into a team um, versus having to kind of create that infrastructure on our own in a national way. So it just made a lot of sense for me and for the Hayride. And um, it's been awesome. I I couldn't have partnered with a, a nicer group of guys. I heard or I understand you're a vegetarian. I'm vegan, actually. Vegan, actually, vegan. And the food yeah. at, that you sell at the Hayride is? All plant-based. Yeah, it's all plant-based food. That's great. I'm, I'm vegetarian, not vegan. Cool, good for you. So I, I, I appreciate yeah. it. From a logistical standpoint, we've created this Hayride from the moment, you know, the idea came into our heads to not be an environmental nightmare. All of our sets are reused and repurposed. All of our costumes are thrifted and also reused and repurposed. You know, we have a recycling program, reusable water. So it makes more sense for us to be plant-based because that's the biggest um, way you can help the environment. So it goes along philosophically with our mission there. One thing I have to ask you, and I hope this is not a sore subject, is the ghost ship, which lasted one season. Mm -hmm. What happened there? I I thought it was okay. I mean, for a first year, and I thought, well, they'll bring it back next year, and from what they've learned, it'll get better. But it never did, so I'm I'm imagining the the reaction was not positive. No. I mean, I would love to bring ghost ship back, but the reaction was not positive. I actually think it was a good attraction as well. It was just we mismarketed it. We marketed it to the hardcore haunted hayride fans, like the 40-year-old Orange County men and women who wanted to have a booze cruise and get scared loved it but the 18 year old you know a diehard haunted hayride fans hated it so they made my life a living hell for the whole month the intention was never to just kill it it was to revamp it and bring it back but then you know great horror camp out got launched and that became really successful and we started just getting our head around some other brands that became more of a priority we didn't kill it indefinitely on purpose and maybe it will come back one day who knows we wouldn't mind taking a cruise on a new and improved coast ship someday in the meantime We're happy to climb aboard the Los Angeles Haunted Hayride, which continues at Griffith Park Old Zoo this weekend and on Halloween night. The address is 4730 Crystal Springs Drive, Los Angeles, 90027. For more information, visit losangelushauntedhayride.com. That's all for now. I want to thank Melissa Carbone for taking the time to talk to us. For more information on Halloween events, visit our website, hollywoodgothique.com, the guide to horror, fantasy, and science fiction cinema in Los Angeles. This podcast is copyright 2018 Steve Petrosky. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the dark.